chapter 7, and then I'm going to go to Luke chapter 6. Matthew chapter 7 and Luke chapter 6. But I want to start with this verse, Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, for which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. We are his workmanship. It's the New Living Translation that says we are God's masterpiece. Look at somebody next to you and say, you are a piece. No, don't say that. You say, you're a masterpiece, right? You're a masterpiece. God says that you are his workmanship. You're his masterpiece, right? He created, in fact, he created you, the New Living says, he created you anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he's planned for us all along. How many of you know God has a plan for your specific life? He's known it before the foundations of the world. He knew you and I would be living in these days. He could have put us in the 1800s to where when you would have got up this morning, you would have had to go into the bathroom somewhere outside and took a light with you probably. You would have had to find water. You would have had to milk the cows to have milk this morning, but he chose for you to be living in 2022. And you might say, praise God, right? Praise God for those things. But we read these words in Matthew chapter 7. In fact, we started this last week. My title today is His Masterpiece. But last week we looked at this verse. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has talked about blessed are He's gone through several different topics, but I wanted to pull this up because he wanted to make sure that we were crystal clear about lordship. And he says these words in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You know, when we read that, we look at prophesying, casting out demons, wonders, right? Wonders are those things where we see about miracles. They're impressive of what people have done, but evidently they've done it in their own glory and not God's. We read a little bit in, in Acts chapter um, 11, really, about the seven sons of Sceva, who were really what we would call traveling Jewish exorcists, right? That wanted, that kind of got a hold. They, they knew this name of Jesus thing worked. They didn't believe it. They were just traveling around wanting to use it. But Jesus wants to make it clear to us that, that there are people that will say, Lord, Lord, but they do not do. We'll see in Luke. They don't do anything he says. You know, in the book of Acts, if you've never read through uh, Saul before he became Paul, Saul had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus where he was going 
to not only arrest Christians, bind Christians, throw them in prison, but we know that it starts with he was consenting to the Christian's death. Yet Jesus got a hold of Paul on that day, and there was never a demand on Paul's life in ministry. And let me tell you, he went through some things. There was never a demand that was too great that Jesus put on him. Physically, he went through things. In fact, it was even mentioned to Ananias that Paul was going to suffer because of Jesus' name's sake. Paul was going to suffer. But there was never a demand, nor will it be of us, for those that truly follow the Lord. You know, when we were youth pastoring in Artesia, we uh, youth pastored in Artesia for three years, in that community uh, started to be where a lot of Indians from India started to, to move. In fact, we found out several families moved to Artesia. Really, no other reason than they found Artesia. But the entire Pioneer Boulevard, if you've ever been in that area, started to turn into Indian restaurants, Indian clothing stores. What ended up closing and moving out, it was all Dutch, really Dutch families. You would see like Dutch bakeries, um, farmers clothing, those type of things. And it became an, an Indian area. So at our church, uh, there was an Indian pastor that was getting started. And his very first week of ministry, they decided to go down Pioneer Boulevard and go into every business to minister and to witness to the Indian people. I remember him seeing the following week, and I thought, oh, I forgot to find out how things went. He says, oh, everybody we talked to accepted Jesus. Like, how many people did you think? Oh, 50. And now he was baiting me. Really? Man, I'm doing terrible. Right? I mean, this guy just goes through businesses. He says, here's the problem. They all, after they said it, they want the image and the idol so that they can put it next to the 90 other gods they serve. He says, they didn't call out for Jesus to be Lord. They accept anything that they think is a God, right? Anything that can kind of help them move on. You know, none of us remember. Do you remember when you were crawling, when you were that little? Any of you remember that? You got a memory that goes all the way back to, oh, yeah, I used to tear up the rug crawling. None of us remember that, do we? Do you remember when you first walked? You don't. But you remember your kids or your grandkids, right? You remember them crawling. And then the day they could walk, right, they were kind of moving around. And then you thought, oh, i got to take everything off the coffee table now. But once the kids started to walk, they didn't want to crawl again, did they? No, they, wanted, they were free. Now they could take on the stairs, right? They could move all around. It's interesting in this Christian walk, once we learn or once we make Jesus the Lord of our life, this is now a daily progress where we're walking this out with him. He walks with us daily. You know, the word Lord, we looked at it last week. Uh, the Greek word is the word to whom a person belongs. So calling Jesus, Romans 10, 9 and 10, confessing Jesus as Lord, believing that he's the Lord of my life, he becomes to whom I belong. I follow now his will, not whose, mine. I follow his words. He's for me. He's not against me. He declares that he has a future and a hope. But I've got to follow him out. 
fact, it's interesting is Lord also mentions that he's got the power to decide something. He's Lord. You know, I was reading a verse this week in um, Timothy where it talked about in the last days that there would be people that believed in the Lord that would depart. That there would actually be um, doctrines of demons that would enter in, would even enter in different churches. And I didn't do a complete stat of it, but there have been several in just the last recent years of pastors, of those that are, are teaching in seminary, Christians, Christians that even wrote books years ago that all renounced their faith in Jesus. In fact, I was reading one, this one pastor decided his New Year's resolution would be to live for one year without anything that had to do with God. That was his New Year's resolution. I looked at the majority of the arguments that, and I've been able, I've not been able to find the existence of God. And I have to say, I don't think there's a convincing case now in my view. I just don't think now God exists. He's a pastor. Well, I would almost say that he never knew the Lord to begin with. Who would set out to say, you know, I'm going you know, to do this year. I have a New Year's resolution. What's it going to be, right? And you're, yeah. Well, I'm not going to eat this for two months. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to try for an entire year not to do anything with God. You'd want to slap that person, wouldn't you? Right, wake up. Right, wake up. What's wrong with you? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I look at that, and I don't want to be a judge of anybody, but I want to look at that and say, I don't think this person from the beginning was ever a believer. You know, there are professional pastors. There's professionals that teach in seminary, right? It's just kind of one of those things that they do, but it's got to be Jesus is your Lord. I've surrendered my life. He is now whom I'm serving. It's his will. It's are the things that he said hard and difficult? Absolutely. The flesh wants to fight it all, doesn't it? But it's the reward. That's why in Luke 6, 46, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't, do not do the things I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? In fact, we looked at this last week. How could Jesus, like, how can you call me Lord and you don't do anything that I say? You do the exact opposite. And it really comes down to, we see a lot of this, even in the Old Testament, it's obedience or disobedience. What got the nation of Israel in more trouble? Disobedience, right? God would say it over and over and over again, right? If you're willing, if you're obedient, you're going to eat the fat or the good of the land. What did they choose to do? They wanted to be disobedient. They wanted to harden their hearts. And really what you love the most often can be seen in your words and in your actions. Let me read this verse again. Now back up a little bit in Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 46. And Jesus is going to use a couple examples here. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. 
For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let me read that last one again. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do, the, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like the man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Now Jesus gives us two examples. One is an agricultural example. One is a foundation example or an architectural. How many of you do have a favorite fruit? Anybody have a favorite fruit? I was thinking about it. I think my favorite, if I could only choose one, would probably be bananas. Now, in our house, Michelle has a uh, small fig tree. It's got a couple figs on it, but I don't think anything ready to eat. We have a small lemon tree that has little tiny lemons. She's got a little grape tree. Everything's little, right? We're not used to uh, th those type of things. Nothing. She's got an, a little olive tree that doesn't produce olives yet. But I can't go out to the lemon tree and pick my favorite banana, can I? Because the lemon tree produces lemons. The fig tree produces figs. The grapes will produce grape. And the olives will, at some point, produce olives. I thought the other one to have was, because avocado is a fruit, isn't it? That would be the other like favorite one to have, is avocado. But Jesus uses that example that a good tree can't bear bad fruit. Nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. So then he shifts it to verse 45 at the end. He says, for out of the abundance of the heart. Here's how you judge yourself. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Oh, you just got cut off on the freeway. Is it, hey, or is there a finger that just happens to kind of come out, right? Well, that always shows us sometimes what's in abundance. Oh, I dropped a brick on my toe in the backyard and I said, what? Right? Praise God, right? To whom all blessings flow as I hopped around. Sometimes things come out and you understand, well, those are things that are down in the heart. Those are sometimes physical things, but the same is true. We're spirit first. You get a phone call from somebody and it's devastating news. Do you instantly shift into that good fruit of beginning to pray for them and speak God's word over them? That's the good fruit. When you said something, looked at something, listened to something, or your feet led you astray, does your heart or does the Holy Spirit convict you to where you listened and you quickly repent of the Lord to get back on track? That's the good fruit, right? That's the good things that we... You ever eaten a piece, like sometimes I'll see a piece of fruit at home and I grab it, 
my hand went through. It was rotten on the bottom. Oh, right? Got to wash it off. Nobody likes bad fruit. Everybody wants good fruit. Jesus uses that example of, but a good tree produces good fruit. Am I being obedient? Am I being disobedient? He then uses the example of the foundation. And he uses the one of one dug deep, built foundation on the rock. The other one just decided to build the foundation on the sand. And notice when you read the story that the storm hit both homes. But only one of them stood, and it wasn't the guy in the sand. It was the one that dug down deep and laid the foundation. It's interesting because one hears and does the right thing and builds the foundation. The one hears and did nothing. You know, I looked up this week. There's a $12.5 million home in Arcadia for sale. $12.5 million. The next one that pulls up is in San Marino. It's $21.5 million. In fact, I was looking at, like, you know how they estimate, like, the mortgage, like, hundred and some thousand a month? Some type of, like, some crazy type of, of figure, you know. Got a foundation just like our homes, right? <laughs> but Jesus says this. One hears and does and has the right foundation. And when the storm hits, it stands. One hears and doesn't do anything. And the storm hits, the guy lasted, this one washes away. One is like the tree that produces good fruit. One is a tree that produces the bad fruit. And really what's interesting when we, we look at this is um, how long, Jesus said, how long is it going to take for you to get this that if you're going to call me Lord, you need to do the things that I tell you to do. You know, uh, back when we first moved to North Carolina, and I forget, I believe it was our very, very, very first year. We'd never been, anybody been through a hurricane before? We'd never been through a hurricane. We're used to earthquakes. So we're out there, we're up at camp, we're a couple hours from our house, and all of a sudden, I forget what hurricane it was, it's coming right up North Carolina. Everybody's talking about the last one that came through, they were without power in their homes for like two weeks. And we finally, I think the camp let us, everybody, like they evacuated everybody, we left home, and the first thing Michelle thought was, she got all of our pictures, like anything sentimental, and shoved them in the car type of thing. Well, the hurricane never hit. Kind of like, you know how they do, they kind of swipe around and go the other way. We got some rain, but it wasn't that bad. We just never had been through something like that. Many times we read these storms, and if we're used to California, we're really not used to, like, hurricane. It's funny when people would say, you're a little scared of a hurricane? Yeah, I've never been through, you know, 150-mile-an-hour winds. Oh, you know what scares me is a three-point earthquake. Three-point earthquake, we never feel those at all. That... That just happened, right? <laughs> right? Those aren't anything. Funny the differences. But those that hear and do have the solid foundation. Those that hear and don't do anything, he says there's room. 1 John 2, 3 through 5. Now by this we know that we know him. Think about that. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments, what does the Bible say? 
is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Let me read that last part. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk as he walked. That's talking about Jesus. Walk as he walked. By this we know when we keep his commandments. By this we know when we don't keep his commandments. Whoever, com com or whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. You know, I was reading through uh, in John 15 of the vine and the branches. Very interesting if you've ever, even at your own home, you can prune a, a branch. It doesn't take long until you notice that it's dead. So I actually had saw some in our front yard a, a week or so. I saw a bunch of branches that were just like laying in the grass. And I thought, what? I'm looking around like, what happened? Did something crash down? Well, Michelle had clipped a couple things and she threw them in the grass uh, as a notice to me to, can you pick those up and throw them away? I, that was like my, that was my notice. And I was like, where did you, I just cut them down yesterday. Ah, there's dry, like this is like dangerous out in the 90 degree heat. It's amazing how quickly when those branches are cut that they die. Well, that's the analogy Jesus uses. He's the vine. I'm the branch. I've got to be connected to him. Right? Got to be connected to him. This is something daily as I'm learning to walk. It's daily. It's daily. Remember, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, but Jesus is very clear on those that follow me do what I say. Those that aren't following me don't do anything that I say. Now, all of us that have kids have experienced that where we tell them to do something and they don't do it, right? And then the very next thing you do is you either ground them, take something away, do something so that they learn to do it. Please pick this up. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. And they finally sometimes, right, get it. How many of you know that Jesus has a lot of work to do in us? But I call him Lord. I humble myself before him every day. I make sure I'm on the straight and straight, right? I belong to him. I am going to make sure that I stay connected in that vine. In fact, I love that part when he uses the part of the foundation. And I'll read this last verse in Mark chapter 12, verse, verse 10. Have you not even read the scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. That's his analogy of him. The one that got rejected, the chief cornerstone is him. You know, we read earlier in Matthew that uh, Peter has that revelation and understands that Jesus is the Christ. In fact, Jesus uses that analogy upon this rock. Interesting phrase, right? Upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon this foundation, sturdy. When we think of rock, stone, sturdy, strong. If you've ever done your lawn and you're running your lawnmower and there's a rock in the way. Have you ever done that before? And all of a sudden it kicks up in the air and down. 
because that rock is not going to shred. It is sturdy. It's firm. It's going to hold its foundation. Jesus said, though I was rejected, I am the chief cornerstone, the foundation. Proverbs 3, 7. Let me close with this last one. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Don't be wise in your own eyes. And I thought about this, you know, even this week of all of the books that have been written. You know, the Bible still, the Bible is still, uh, has been in print and has done 5 billion copies now digitally with Bible apps and everything. But the top books that um, would come, you know, several million away from the Bible, it's all fantasy, fiction, and crime. Think about that. Fantasy, fiction, and crime. That's what made me think this week. The only thing, the only book that God says is inspired is his word. You can read about Harry Potter. It's not inspired, right? You can read about the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Rings, I forget, the Tale of Two, whatever, all those things, not inspired. This is my foundation. This is what keeps me connected as a branch in the vine. This is what keeps me coming back to saying, okay, you're, you're my Lord. I got off here, right? Get me back on. You know, we, uh, last one, we were in North Carolina, and we had gone to, we didn't know anything about NASCAR. Anybody have anybody in here like NASCAR, fast cars type of thing? Just one, right? Okay, thanks, Brian. All right, good. <laughs> That's right, Scott. Scott should have had his hand up first. But they always said that um, when the driver is going around that lap, they always are heading in the direction of their focus. If they continue to focus either on the infield, the car is going to turn that way. If they continue to focus in the outer wall, they're going to end up hitting the outer wall and crashing. And they would always say this, it's what you focus on that keeps you going straight. It's what we focus on. And that's why I love, I love that one. Our focus is to be on Jesus and allow him to speak to us. So, Father, we come to you today. Lord, Lord, is not lip service to us. Lord, Lord, I am yours. You are mine. I am but a branch connected into the vine. I am standing on the cornerstone, the rock. And so, Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit teaches me, guides me into all truth. I thank you that your Holy Spirit quickens me if I'm out of alignment, said something I shouldn't have, looked at something, listened to something, been led astray, the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts my heart. Father, I pray that we stay humble in these days before you. I pray that when you ask us to do something, that our first step is we're obedient to you. We have confidence in you. There was nothing that the Apostle Paul went through that was overwhelming. Though we read the stories, it's overwhelming. You took care of every step that he was obedient to. Let us be those people that are obedient, humble. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen.
Stand with me. We're going to close with this song.